0: Hi, thanks for joining me. My name is Sarah, and welcome to Into the Unknown, a podcast about learning to let go, healing, and finding joy after abuse. In my last episode, I talked a little bit about some of the events that led up to my decision to leave Um, And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about um, some of the reasons why people stay in abusive relationships and um, kind of some of the chaos that goes on mentally um, when you're trying to decide whether you should stay or you should go. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not going to lie, I have been putting off making this episode for quite a while, Um, and I think the reason why is because when I finally decided to leave, and when I started opening up to people about some of the things that I experienced and that I have gone through, one of the questions that would come up was, why did you stay? Or there would be comments of, yeah, I'm surprised you guys were together for as long as you were. And anytime someone would ask me why I stayed or why I put up with that behavior, I never really had an answer. And so I think doing this episode was just... I don't know, kind of difficult, I guess, to really even think about because I still don't really know what the answer to that question is. It's something that I think about often. Um, it's something that I'm trying to figure out. Um, so yeah, I, it's it's just a hard, hard question to kind of come to terms with because logically when you look at a situation where there's abuse, the logical answer is, well, then you leave. You get yourself out of that situation. But unless you've been in a situation where you've experienced abuse, you don't really know that it's not that easy. So something that needs to be considered when you're wondering why people choose to stay is that not all abuse is so obvious. For example, if someone walked up to you at the mall and decided to punch you in the face for no reason, that's pretty obvious that that's not okay behavior and it's not acceptable behavior. But when you're in an abusive relationship, sometimes that abuse is not so obvious. Sometimes it's financial abuse, sometimes it's emotional manipulation, and sometimes when you're in it, you just don't realize you're in it. It's like you can only see part of the picture. And for a lot of people, including myself, the abuse isn't happening all the time. And so you end up getting caught in this cycle of abuse. Um, And what that is, is there's four stages to the cycle of abuse. Um, The first stage is building tension. The second is an incident of abuse. The third is reconciliation. And the fourth is calm. So in the first stage, building tension, that's usually... Stress, resentment, frustration, anger, physical illness, family issues, trouble at work. Something like this is starting to build tension in that abusive partner. And finally, it boils over. And that's when the incident of abuse occurs. It's their way of trying to regain power by establishing control they don't have any control over these outside factors so now they're going to control you and the abuse might involve insults or name-calling threats of harm or property destruction attempts to control your behavior sexual or physical violence or emotional manipulation. And often when this abusive behavior has happened, you're the one that's going to be blamed for it. It's your fault that they did this. Then stage three is reconciliation. So after the abuse has happened, the tension gradually begins to fade. And in an attempt, to move past the abuse, the abuser often uses kindness, gifts, loving gestures as a way to kind of usher in this honeymoon stage. Um, The person who has experienced the abuse then feels this release of dopamine and oxytocin, um, which makes them feel closer to this person who has just caused them harm and makes them feel bonded with them. And it gives them this false sense of, oh, this is this is our real relationship that I have back now. Because the abusive behavior isn't how that person really is. And so then that leads to the last stage of the abuse cycle which is the calm Um, this is the part of the cycle where both parties have come up with some sort of explanation or justification for the abuse Um, the abusive partner maybe has apologized maybe has apologized while trying to blame others or blaming stress or blaming their frustration Um, they try to minimize the abuse or deny it happened maybe they even accuse you of provoking them Um, they show remorse they promise it's not going to happen again and you both kind of feel secure that everything is fine that everything is going to be fine And then the cycle repeats itself. So, in the third part of the abuse cycle, the reconciliation, I mentioned that the person who has been abused can often feel bonded. To the abuser. And that's something um, that's called trauma bonding, um, which is a type of attachment that one can feel towards someone who's causing them trauma. Um, It brings with it feelings of sympathy, compassion, and love, but also um, confusion. So, trauma bonding is a hormonal attachment created by repeated abuse, sprinkled with being saved every now and then Um, the brain basically latches onto the positive experience of relief rather than the negative impact of the abuser this happens because the body's threat response your flight fight flight freeze or fawn turns off the part of the brain that can think long term when we are in crisis so this creates the feeling that we need the abuser to survive and that's what gives you those loving, bonded feelings towards your abuser. So that's just a really quick, um, I guess, textbook explanation of the cycle of abuse and a little bit of what trauma bonding is, which are some of the reasons why people stay. Um, and then there's just a whole list of reasons why people choose to stay. Um, A lot of the times they're afraid. They're afraid to leave because they don't know how their abusive partner is going to react. They don't know if it's going to cause them more harm, if they can safely leave. And so the fear of leaving keeps them in that abusive relationship. Um, There's also the fact that abuse is normalized in some cases. You know, if someone grew up in an environment where abuse was common, they might not see anything wrong with it. Maybe their abusive partner treats them better than their abusive parent treated their other parent. And so, maybe to them their relationship is 10 times better even though it's still abusive. Um, There's also a lot of shame that can come with leaving because now you have to tell people and admit that you are being abused and sometimes that can be really hard and really scary and so they just choose to keep their mouths shut and they stay. Um, intimidation is another one that kind of goes hand in hand with fear. Um, but you know, there could be verbal or physical threats or threats to spread information or secrets. Um, intimidation is a huge reason why people stay. Low self esteem, um, you know, it's very easy for an abuser. To make you feel like no one else is ever going to want to. Or that you're not worthy of anything better. They have a way way of wearing you down. Emotionally and mentally. Um, Lack of resources is huge. Um, Maybe you're financially dependent on the person who is abusing you. Um, And so... Maybe you don't know where to go or where to turn to. And so you stay because how are you going to do it on your own? Um, maybe they have a disability where they're dependent on the abuser. Um, maybe they immigrated here. Cultural context is a big one too, you know, in Religious situations where it is super frowned upon to get a divorce, you know, that can be really hard. Maybe you'll be shunned or disowned by your family if you choose to leave your partner. Um, people have children and the thought of breaking up your family and then... Having a quote-unquote broken family is really hard for people as well. Um, And then love. And I know that can kind of sound silly. Well, how can you love someone who treats you like that? Well, again, it goes back to that whole thing of a lot of times the abuse isn't happening all the time. So those are some of the reasons why people choose to stay. So for me personally, again I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that anytime someone has brought this question up, I haven't really had a solid answer because when I look at it logically and I think about the things that I've gone through in my relationship, I almost get upset with myself because why didn't I leave? You know, I ask myself the same thing. Why didn't I leave? Why did I stay for so long? why did I ignore these things for so long? And I think a big reason is because it wasn't happening all the time. Because this person wasn't a monster all the time. For me, I also blamed it on his alcohol use. Because generally when there was an abusive outburst, it was because he'd been drinking. So, to me, that wasn't who he was. It was only who he was when he was drinking. Again, it's that justification that that's not who they really are. And I don't think anyone really wants to admit that they're married to someone Who's abusive towards them. So, yeah. I loved my husband. I had fun with him. When he wasn't treating me poorly. You know, we would laugh together. And have fun together. We also, yeah, had children. And that was part of why I stayed, but it was also a big part of why I left as well, because I I didn't want them to grow up in a home where that behavior was okay. There was also the fear of, could I do it on my own if I left? How was I going to figure out How to provide for my children financially. And how was I going to put a roof over their head. I was a stay at home mom. When my first son was born. I worked a little bit in between my two children. And then I was a stay at home mom again. So to go from basically not working for four years And then trying to figure out how to go back to work and find daycare and all these things at the time before I left, that seemed impossible. How was I going to do all this by myself? The fear of jumping into the unknown of what my life is going to look like without this person was really, really, really scary. and even after i made the decision to leave that's that's hard the decision to leave is hard but it doesn't get easier after you leave because your brain is still programmed That this person is important and that you love them and that they love you, and you're left feeling guilty for leaving. After I left, I felt guilty all the time. I would have conversations with my roommates about it all the time, about the fact that I felt guilty. And I would question whether I made the right decision to leave or not. You know, I told them my story and the things that I'd gone through, and I'd ask them, well, am I being unreasonable? Am I being unreasonable for leaving? And you end up in this really weird headspace where you blame yourself for their behavior. Well, maybe, maybe it's my fault that they acted this way. Maybe I should give them another chance. Maybe my boundaries are too strict. Maybe... Maybe. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I blew things out of proportion. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I'm remembering. Maybe I'm making things up in my mind. I felt guilty for leaving someone. Who chose to name call me, belittle me, financially abuse me, emotionally abuse me. Who when I was struggling mentally told me there was something wrong with me instead of showing me love and compassion and kindness. And telling me that they were concerned about me. I felt guilty for leaving someone who chose to strangle me on the floor. I feel guilty for leaving someone. Who told me that I deserved it. That's the thing about people who choose to stay in abusive relationships. It's not that they're weak or stupid or that they're not strong. It's that their brain has been rewired to believe that it's their fault and that if they just give a little bit more of themselves, if they just love their partner a little bit more, that things will get better. so it's interesting to me that I didn't record this episode until October Um, most people know that October is breast cancer awareness month but October is also national intimate partner violence awareness month Um, and the goal of that is to remember those who have lost their lives to intimate partner violence, celebrate survivors who have had the strength and courage to make a change, and provide a guiding light to those who wish to safely exit a violent relationship with an intimate partner. Um, IPV is when one person in a relationship is using a pattern of methods to gain and maintain power and control over the other person These measures often involve a cycle that gets worse over time and are not one-time incidents. The defining distinction between IPV and normal conflict is, you guessed it, fear. So I'm going to end this episode um, with the following things to consider. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. On a typical day, local domestic violence hotlines receive approximately 19,159 calls, which is approximately 13 calls every minute. In 2018, domestic violence accounted for 20% of all violent crime Abusers' access to firearms increase the risk, uh, risk of intimate partner homicide at least fivefold. When firearms have been used in the most severe abuse incident, the risk increases 41-fold. 65% of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. 96% of the victims of these crimes are female. One in five women have been raped, half of these by an intimate partner. LGBTQ plus community experiences high rates of IPV with 1.61% being bisexual women, 2.44% being lesbian women, 3.37% being bisexual men, 4.34% of trans people 64% experience sexual assault, and 5.26% being gay men. With all that said, you never know what battle people are fighting behind closed doors. People looking from the outside in to my relationship, Probably didn't have any idea what was actually going on. Maybe some people had thoughts or questions, but I don't think anyone really knew. You don't know the battle people are fighting behind closed doors. So be kind, be kind to people. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Into the Unknown. In my next episode, I'm going to be talking about what happened after I made the decision to leave um, and where I ended up.